You are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Have you ever had a dream, you know, or or just one of those, I don't know, you're, you're driving somewhere and you have one of those God thoughts that's just kind of like, Lord, like, how is that even possible? Like, that's massive. That, there's no way in the world I could ever accomplish that. And maybe you just sort of, you just sort of throw it off or you just kind of, kind of uh, uh, be like, okay, Lord, I, I'm not sure how to, how to exactly receive this and if it's from you or if it's not from you. How many people have had a, a dream from God that just blows you away? All right, that's cool. I want to remind you this morning that in Christ all things are possible, okay? When we, the Lord gives us a dream or a vision or one of those God thoughts that are bigger than us, they are the best ones because we can't take credit for it. We have to get in that place where we fall on our face before the Lord and say, God, I can't do this in the natural Lord, there's no, I don't have enough finances, I don't have enough manpower, I don't have whatever, the, the favor in cities or, or towns or nations. But Lord Jesus, I need to be able to trust you that God, you're going to do what you want to do. And right now, my role is to pray through this until it comes into fruition. There is a prophetic word that is given in Ezekiel 47, 9 to 10. And I would like to talk, talk about it. And this morning, my message is called Fishing Season is Open, and I'm going to start off with this one. Verse 9 says, There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of it flows. Fish will, around, will abound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become fresh. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Fishermen will stand alone on the shores of the Dead Sea, all the way from Engedi to Englum. The shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will fill the Dead Sea just as they fill the Mediterranean. Right now, that is impossible. The Dead Sea is called the Dead Sea because it's dead. There's no life in it. Its salt content is so high that nothing could survive in it. But if the Bible says that fish are going to flourish in that in one day, you know what? I believe it. And when God speaks something into our spirit that, you know what, maybe you share with someone and they're like, that, that's just crazy. You know what, don't, don't even think about that. That's, there's no way that's even possible. What, what, what we do, start to do is we start to dart, doubt that word of God that he solidified into our spirits. And God wants to remind us that no, you can do all things through me who gives you strength. That's our God. We serve a big God. We serve a mighty God. We serve an all-powerful God. And when we submit ourselves to the presence of the Lord, then God is glorified. Have you ever heard of the term, it's raining cats and dogs? Do you know there is a town in the middle of Australia, in the middle of the desert. It's 200 miles away from the closest body of water. And the coastline is 500 miles away from this, from this little uh, village. And one day in this village, it started raining fish. In fact, there was so much perch that fell on this town. The perch were frozen because of up in the altitude. They came down frozen, but a bunch of them came down live, still flopping around. And it took this town seven days to be able to clean up all this fish. Now, some of you are looking at me like right now like I am nuts. I didn't do it. Read about it. It's a true story. 
You can read about it in National Geographic. You can see what happened. But in this town where there was no water, in the middle of a desert, it started raining fish. Isn't that amazing? Now, the scientists, they looked at it and tried to find out, well, it's not normal for fish to rain. So why is there fish falling on this town where it's documented, they got pictures of fish falling, like just massive fish falling. It took seven days to clean this all up. Why is that possible? And they believe that a tornado landed over some body of water. Again, the closest one was 200 miles, and then the, the, the next, the, the ocean was 500 miles. And as it went down, it sucked up the fish in the water, put them in the atmosphere, and then with the wind or whatever, went over top of this desert, and it dropped them over town of this desert. I don't know. But all I know is that it's pretty amazing. How many people know that if I find an amazing story, I'm going to share it in my sermon? Like, it's just cool. I've spent different times of my life fishing with people in this room, and I enjoy it. And I, I went out on a, on a lake like Coal Lake that's got all kinds of fish in it. It's, it's, it's plentiful. And I've gone out with the right lure. I've gone out with the right rod. I've gone out with the person who has the best coolest boat and I've walked away with no fish I've been skunked but how many people know that when God touches a situation you can be in the middle of a desert with no rod no reel and no lun boat and the Lord can make it downpour with fish in your situation that's our God this morning I'd like to speak on faith the Bible says in Matthew 17 you don't have enough faith Jesus told them I tell you the truth if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it would move, for nothing is impossible for God. How's your faith tank? Are you walking in victory, or is your head hung in defeat? Let's open up our Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 4. Starting in verse 18. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they had uh, fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. Jesus here is talking about fishing. If you follow me, I'm going to teach you how to fish for people. People are important to Jesus. Our lives are important to Christ. Jesus is wanting them to not worry about the perch, don't worry about the bass, but keep our eyes focused on the harvest field. See, I learned in Coal Lake that when you fish, that we can use different towns test. Did you know that? Some of you are fishermen know what I'm talking about. I went fishing with Aaron Gray last year, and we fished for perch. And I brought, uh, Aaron brought the rods, and he had two-pound test on that rod. I said, well, what are we fishing with? He goes, it's two-pound test. And as we were fishing for this two-pound test, we're catching all these little perch, having a, a great time out there. And then all of a sudden, we went down there, and a jack hit my line and I'm like man that's a big perch but it snapped the line so quickly I'm like wow that must have been a massive perch he goes there's no way that was a perch and then he, as he was down there same thing happened to Aaron and it snapped his line why because a bigger fish with very sharp teeth hit a two pound line and it just didn't work the bigger the fish that you're fishing for, the bigger the pound test that you're needed. If you were to go fishing, deep sea fishing somewhere in the warm weather, maybe you're fishing for marlin or you're fishing for shark, it'd be crazy to fish with even 10-pound tests because you're going after something that is 100, 200 pounds. So people use 40-pound tests, 100-pound tests, up to steel cables. 
in your lives, we did a whole series on plan Bs. And plan Bs are when something happened in our lives that is a difficult situation that we're going to go through. And we don't like it very much. But the truth of the matter is, is the bigger, the deeper the plan B, the more the Lord is allowed to work in our lives. I'm not saying that God brings these troubles into our lives. But I am saying what the enemy is meant for evil that God could use for good. And when all of a sudden we go through these circumstances, we go through these situations, we go through these tough times, and when that happens, it starts to develop a character in us. It starts to mold us and shape us that all of a sudden our pound tests get stronger and stronger and stronger and our nets become uh, thicker and we're able to cast out more when we're faithful and just say, Lord, I'm going to trust you in what you're wanting to bring at this very moment. The greater the test line, the greater the fish that you're hunting for. For there are times where we are launched into the deep where we wonder, God, what are you doing here? Lord, why have you brought me to this place? Luke chapter 5 says, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out in the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. I find this a very interesting uh, chapter because Peter is a professional fisherman. He knows what he's doing. And he was out there fishing all night when it's supposed to be biting. He casts his nets out there and, and, and caught nothing. And as that happens, he comes back. He's tired. He's probably grumpy because it was a waste of a night. And as that happened, Jesus is like, hey, Peter, go out a little bit farther. Go out into the deep. Cast out your nets and just see what happens. And he's like, Jesus, I'm the fisherman. You're the teacher. Let me stick to fishing. You stick to teaching. Everything will be fine. But... All right, Lord, if that's what you want, I'm going to do it. And this is what I find extremely interesting. He says, when he had stopped speaking, he said, launch out in the deep and cast out your nets. And look at Peter's response. He says, I will, I will let down the net. Nets is plural. The Lord's like, go out there, let down your nets. And he's like, yeah, okay, God, I'm going to go and put one net out there. I know I'm not going to catch anything, but I'm going to try it, and let's see what happens. So Luke 5, now to go to 6 to 8, says, And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners, to the other boats, to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. There were so many fish that he had to call his partners, and the boat started sinking. Like, if he had to cast out his nets like the Lord had told him to do, I believe that he would have cleaned that lake right out because when the Lord touches something, all of a sudden it happens miraculously and by, he's just like, okay, Lord, I'll do it just to satisfy you. And it, when he threw out the one net, it was so much fish that was coming into that net that he couldn't handle it at all. Imagine that in Cold Lake. All of a sudden we do some kind of an outreach thing and we cast our net out in the community and so many fish start coming in the net, and this massive revival breaks out that we as a church can't handle it all. So what do we do? We call up our buddies over the Alliance Church. Hey, Bob, listen, this is happening right now. Bring some people over. We need help. Jeff Man Warren, how's it going, buddy? We need help. Get over here. Pastor Phil, come on over. We need help. And all these little boats come over and start working together because it's not about denominations, but it's about the Lord being touched and reached in our community. 
And that is a picture of what revival looks like. We have experienced that here in Cold Lake. Something supernatural happened. I got a phone call maybe three or four years ago from a company in town. And they said, listen, we've got some old um, stock of, of Christmas supplies. And we're just wondering if you as a church would like it. I'm just like, well, don't really know if I want any Christmas supplies. But, you know what, this guy doesn't really know us, and I don't want to be the, the stick-in-the-mud pastor. So I'm like, you know what, awesome. Bring him over, love to have it, and uh, that, that's cool. He goes, okay, well, we have probably a skid full of stuff. I'm like, a skid full of stuff? That's not just a couple of decorations. A skid is four by four, and it's usually packed, you know, however high, and it's delivered to you on a truck. And I'm like, a skid full of stuff? What are we going to do with all these decorations? So I'm like, okay, bring them over. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with something. So he's like, okay, well, it'll take us a couple days to just kind of put this together, and then I'll keep you informed. I'm like, okay, sounds good. So I get a call a couple days, la a couple days later. He's getting ready to come over. He goes, yeah, you know what? I told you it'd be about a skid full. I think we've got about four skids now. I'm like, four skids of Christmas decorations. He's like, yeah, but we're not done yet. They're still coming. I'm like, oh, my word. When the actual truck came, um, B&R Echo pulls up. The guy delivers nine skids worth of Christmas decorations. All these decorations at the front were all part of this thing. We had in our lobby there, we had Christmas trees from the floor to the ceiling packed in stacks. We had wreaths. Oh my word, did we have wreaths. We had wreaths, like just a hundred wreaths, just stacked up, stacked up, stacked up. We had Christmas lights. We had Christmas bulbs. We had dancing Santas. We had dancing reindeer. We had it all in our lobby where it's kind of like, what are we going to do? We look like a, a Home Depot uh, of, of selling Christmas stuff. So I'm looking at this stuff and I'm like, okay, Lord, when you say you're bringing Christmas supplies, you ain't kidding around. Like we could open up everything in here and be the weird Christmas church that just has decorations every, like you walk on the floor, you're walking on decorations, just everywhere, decorations. Or we could share it. Let's share it. So I called up every single church in town, every one of them. And I said, listen, we just got this shipment dropped off. And if you guys want Christmas decorations, come. Take as much as you want. You have till 4 o'clock, and if you don't do it then, we're going to open it up to the community. So they're like, yes, and, and, and the churches came, and man, they brought their trucks, and they're just filling up the, the, the trucks with Christmas decorations, and they're going out. Like, I, think, I think pretty well every church came in town, taking stuff and taking stuff, and they're just going out, and they're going out. And then they all left, I'm like, we haven't even dented this. There's still so much stuff. What are we going to do? And then we had women's ministry the next day. That was on a Tuesday. We had women's ministry the next day, and we opened it up to the community and whoever kind of wanted it. So all the girls came in for the women's ministry, and Cindy said to them, she says, you know, girls, see all that stuff out there? If you want any decorations for your home, take it. And the women just, oh, man, they just started coming, taking stuff. They're just like, oh, man, we need, oh, Dancing Santa, I've always wanted that. And they're just filling their cars and stuff. And, and guess what? It, it, it made a massive dent in it. Like, stuff was just flying out the door like like it was on legs it was just like gone it's like wow and after all like i think there's 50 or 60 ladies just grabbing and, and going out to their cars and people in the community are like we're getting phone calls i hear you guys got christmas decorations can we come yeah come and get them and then people are just coming and getting them and they're just going out the door and going out the door and after that was still done we still had christmas decorations everywhere if i was to bless somebody if i was to find out all of a sudden you know what Maybe Edie was like, you know, I just really am trusting the Lord that 
that uh, we've got a new house being built and I want it to look really Christmassy, but we just don't have the finances to be able to, to make it look Christmassy. And God, I just need to trust you. And I took a check and I said, for $1,000, I said, you know, Edie, I just want to give this to you for your family and I want your house to look really nice. You know, she'd be able to maybe get a Christmas tree and put some lights up outside and it'd look pretty cool. That's when man does it. But when God does it, it's so much blessings that you just can't handle it. It's so much that when people just come and take it, it just keeps going and going and going and going. And all you can do is sit there and go, Lord, this is awesome, God. Lord, may you be glorified in this whole situation. When God moves, his blessings are massive. Remember that desert and the falling fish? Took the town seven days to finish picking up fish, filling their freezers, filling their, 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 their fridges. My friends, God has plans for Cold Lake. And it's time to pray in the laborers for the harvest is here. We need to open up our spiritual eyes so that we can see. Perspective is everything, isn't it? I remember a, a sermon illustration once, and it was, it's pretty cool. It's, it's about these two salesmen who, who go to Africa, and they're sh selling shoes, and they're just wanting to see if Africa is a good market for that. So they go down there, and they're looking around, and the first guy calls back at the head office and says, you know what, it's a bust here. Shoes, nobody wears shoes here. It's not important to the people. It would be a waste of money for us to step into this, into this market. And the second salesman calls up the thing and says, oh my goodness, we have to build a factory right here on site. Send all the, the best salesmen, send all the shoes. There's nobody here who's wearing shoes and the market is going to be fantastic because there's a huge need. Two completely different ways to look at the exact same situation. Some of you in this room right now, you're in a desert place. How's your faith? I believe that it can rain a blessing right in the middle of your desert. I believe right in the place, right in that darkest time when you're like, God, I don't know what's happening right now. I don't know how I'm going to handle this. All of a sudden, the Lord can open up the windows of heaven and pour blessings out where it's just kind of like, God, how did this happen? Want another fish story? Found in Matthew 17. On their arrival in Capernaum, the collectors of the te uh, temple tax came in Peter and asked him, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, Peter replied, that he went into the house. But before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, what do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or the people they have conquered? The tax the people, they tax the people they have conquered, Peter replied. Well, then, Jesus said, the citizens are free. However, we don't want to offend, so go down to the lake, throw in a line, open the mouth of the first fish that you catch, and you'll find a large silver coin there. Take it out and pay the tax for both of us. Isn't that supernatural? Like, you just don't have the money to be able to do something. The Lord says, you know what, just, just go fishing. Very first fish that you catch, open up its mouth. You'll have enough money in there to be able to pay whatever you need to pay. So he goes down and does that. And, you know, today in our churches, we get all our nose bent out of joint out of all kinds of things. Like, Lord, I don't know about this whole gold teeth thing. I don't know about this whole gold dust thing. Where do you find that in the Bible? Well, you're reading the Bible about a fish with a coin in his mouth. God provides in weird ways. All of a sudden, something happens. It's just like, God, you're, you're, you're just amazing, Lord. God can heal your diseases. God can meet your needs. God can change things. It's so easy for us to forget how mighty God is, and we forget that God will provide. See, there's so many times in our lives that we play the devil's advocate. 
well, you know what? I'm in the middle of a need right now, and if God doesn't provide, then I guess I could always go and do this. Or I guess I can always go and do this, or maybe I can call up this person, and they'll help me, or maybe I'll do that. You know what, my friends? It's time for us to stop playing the devil's advocate and start playing God's advocate. It's time for us to step into that place of faith and say, you know what, the situation that I'm in right at this very moment, I don't like it, but I trust that God is bigger than it. I don't like where I am right at this very moment, but I trust that God is able to provide a way out for me because I'm his and he's mine. My friends, God is awesome. God is our father. God says, if, 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 if you as a father love your kids and give them good gifts, why would I not do more than that? That's our God. Are you in a desert spot right now? Is it difficult where you are? Speak faith into your life. Speak hope into your life. Walk in that place where it's just kind of like, God, I'm not going to become an accuser of the brethren. I'm not going to align myself with what the enemy is saying. I'm not going to look with my natural eyes at the circumstance and the force that I'm facing. But God, help me to see supernaturally. Help me to see in the spirit because your word says that you're never going to leave me. You're never going to forsake me. And you are here with me right in the middle of my trials. That's your God. That's my God. In fact, Philippians 4 says, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us through Christ Jesus. Are you in a desert? I trust that God has you in the palm of his hand. He's going to provide. But in order for him to provide, we need to be able to cast our nets. Problem is, is there's too many churches that want clean nets. When we cast out the nets, we're believing for a harvest. And when people come in, often they come in messy. You know what? We cast our net and we pick up something that just looks really weird. Has anybody ever caught from Coal Lake a lingcod? That's an ugly looking fish. And you pick it up, it's just like, ugh, I don't know what I caught, but throw it back. When we cast our net, we cast our net and the Lord brings something in there that just maybe doesn't look right. I don't know, maybe someone smells. I don't know, maybe they just don't dress the way that we dress. I don't know, maybe, maybe they got body piercings and they've got their nose pierced and their ears pierced and their eyebrows pierced and their belly buttons pierced. And these new things, maybe they got stretchers in their ears. I don't know why kids do that today. There's going to be a whole, whole bunch of 60-year-old people with ears down to here. You know, I think that's a good place to invest right now. Invest in an ear company that sews ear shuts or something like that. It's gonna, there's going to be a day where it's kind of like, you know what, that probably wasn't the best decision I ever made in my life. But yet, I love them. They've got a call on their life. They've got a plan. They've got a purpose. And God wants to grab them and say, you know what? You're mine. I paid a price for you, son. I paid a price for you, daughter. And I think you're absolutely amazing. That's our God. You know, I've been ministering now for 20 years as a pastor. And I've done children's ministry, I've done youth ministry, I've done um, worship ministry, and I've done associate pastor and senior pastor. And out of those things, I think the hardest ministry is honestly youth pastoring. You know why? The janitor hates youth pastors. Because every Friday, something gets broken, some mess is left. You know what? I, I tell you, it, it'd be like you have 
you have cake one day to celebrate something and the kids think, hey, wouldn't it be a great idea to get a food fight? And then they have this big food fight. They're like, see you later. And you're just like, oh my word, what did you guys do in this bathroom? And you clean it up, but it gets jammed inside of the carpet or gets something that you can't get out. And the janitor comes and they're like, ah, youth, look at this extra work they're giving for me. I can't believe it. When we were in Kalmar, I, uh, Hayward was pastoring in Kalmar and I was in Bible college. And I, was inter- um, I was interning for him. I was the children's pastor. And Stan Nellis was a great friend of mine and he was doing youth. And in the middle of youth on a Friday, two of them got in a fight in the church and they ended up going through the back wall, like in the sanctuary, like right in there, like the wall had a massive hole in it because the two of them wrestled and one of them knocked the other one against the wall. They went right in between the studs and made this big hole. So when Sunday morning comes, everyone's worshiping the Lord, looking at that hole, thinking, what the heck happened there? And then when it happened, it's kind of like, well, what happened? Well, a couple of youth were fighting and they went through the wall. It's like, what? They, this is the house of the Lord. They need to respect the house of the Lord and that's not respect. Pastor Stan, you need to do something. It's like, well, what can I do? It's not like we planned a UFC event and threw a cage in the middle of there. It, it just started happening. And then when it was over, it was kind of like, oh, no, now we've got a mess to clean up. When we cast our nets, it gets messy. People don't come in healed, set free, ready to go, just like, hallelujah, here I am. I'm ready to praise God. I'm ready to do what God's calling me to do because they don't know. And we have to be patient. And we have to teach them. And we have to love on them. And we have to walk with them. And our nets are going to get dirty. So it's your choice. Either you take your net and you put it away in the closet. And when people come over, you can say, look how nice my net is. It's beautiful. Not a hole in this net, I tell you. When did you use the net? Oh, never. But doesn't it look great? Or you can cast the thing and risk damaging it. And risk catching a lingcod, which is ugly. And then all of a sudden, as that starts to grow and it starts to develop, it has a way of turning into a swan. Something beautiful. We are a new creation. Man, I tell you, if you guys had known me when I was a teenager, I, I imagine I was voted the least likely to succeed. I was probably the... You know, you, you go around, it's kind of like, okay, he's going he's gonna to be the one who's going to be a millionaire. He's going to be the one who's kind of like, Lance, oh, he, most likely to go to jail. Thank you very much. That's me. God has plans for our lives, but we have to be willing to cast our net. You a business person in this place? You want to get your net dirty? Maybe. Take a risk. Maybe it's kind of like, well, it's been a, been a kind of a tight fiscal year. What about if you took a, your checkbook out and said, by faith, I'm going to cast my net today, and I'm going to write a check into that healing center because there's something about that healing center that I believe in, and I want to see God glorified in this community. You know when that healing center is launched? It's going to cause a ripple effect in this community. God is going to be, God's going to do something awesome. How do I know? Because it's already started taking place. I've asked Dorothy Smith, there she is at the back, to to share a little bit, and, and Dorothy has a pretty cool testimony about, she went to the, the, the healing rooms there and uh, had an encounter ministry, and God touched her supernaturally, and uh, she has the courage to be able to share it this morning. All right, so I went to the healing room for my first time about two and a half years ago. Um, my daughter had recently passed away. She was 11 months old, and she died from SIDS. And I was just so broken. I was so hurt and angry and confused. And 
um, I didn't stop believing in God, but I was just really angry with God that he let something like that happen. Um, a lot of people spoke things on my life that weren't true, saying it was God's will that she die, and it was her time, and he took her home, and she was happy now. And I was like, okay, well, that's not making me feel any better. So I kind of just took a break from going to church, and um, I was working at Tim Hortons at the time, and Cindy kept coming through, and she's like, oh, we need to get together. We'll get together. And I had known Cindy before, and I was like, yeah. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, no, because she's going to pray for me. And I'm just, no, <laughs> not in the mood. And um, then she's like, okay, well, we'll just get together for coffee. And she kind of tricked me, and we came to the church, and she brought me in the healing room and started to pray with me. And <laughs> it's amazing what um, God can do in your life, even when your heart is just so so cold and so hurt and um i just met with god in such a supernatural way i just saw so clearly um god's plan for my life after that and how it wasn't his will that she die i think a lot of times bad things happen we're like oh well that's what god wanted to happen and i think we mistake god knowing all with god willing all and there are things that happen that you know god doesn't want to happen but he will bless us after that and I saw for the first time in months, like, the image of my daughter again, and I saw her smiling. I saw Jesus holding her, and it was just, it was what I needed, and it was truth. And now when things are spoken on my life about why she's gone, I can just be like, nope, I know, God told me. And another thing that happened from that end was that I made a really good friend who had a similar situation, whose son passed away. And I don't think I would be able to be the kind of friend I am to her and to help her in the way that I am or to pray with her in the way I am or to say things to her if I had not met with God in that healing room. Um, you know, it's, it's a really personal thing that can happen there. Like, there's so much power in prayer. And I just think that, like, that is something that is going to be a huge, huge outreach is the healing center. Like, huge. Even just now with going there a couple times and meeting with God, I just think it's, it's totally changed my life and it's changed my way of looking at situations that happen. And, you know, it's almost been three years since my daughter passed away and I have another little boy now who just turned one and another one on the way. <laughs> so it's just amazing that God can bless me after that. And you may be going through, you know, the worst thing in the world and that, that's not the end. Like, you know, the death of my daughter, I was like, that's it. Like, there's, there's nothing. And, I mean, I think any parents who have went through hard times with their children, it's like, what do you do after that? And it's like, God will bless you. He's faithful. And that healing room, just you will be touched in supernatural ways. God will show you what he wants to do in your life and what he can do. And so now, three years later, you know, it's still, it still hurts. But God is there through all of it, and he is using that situation that I went through so I can help people and so I can pray with people and so I can be, you know, more aware of what I say to them. So I just think if anyone's dealing with anything, just that healing room is the place to go. Thanks, Dorothy. Bless you, my dear. Thank you so much. I know that's going to have ripples in our community because I've just seen the lives of impact of people who are in our, in our congregation. 
And some people's stories are so amazing, but they don't want to share it because it's still very personal. And I just thank you, thank Dorothy for having the courage to be able to share her story. Are you in a desert? Get ready, because the rain's coming. I know that, that movie, that Hollywood movie's coming out, Noah. You ever just thought about that, Noah? And he's got this, this big boat, and people are mocking him, kind of like, yeah, okay, well, if it's going to rain, go ahead, rain. Imagine that, building a boat and, 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 and walking in that place where you, you start putting on your, your hip waders, and you start putting on your raincoat, and the sun is shining, and people are like, what are you doing? Well, the Lord showed me it's going to rain. I'm going to believe it, it's going to rain. Faith without works is dead. Taking that step of faith and just saying, God, not only did I hear what you said, but God, I believe what you said. The Bible has another fish story. You ready for it? Two people are. Praise the Lord. Everybody else, you're dismissed. Thank you for coming. May the Lord bless you. For you two that said yes, I'm giving it to you. You ready? Matthew 14 says, But we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered, Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up towards heaven, blessed them, then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave the bread to the disciples who distributed it to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. About 5,000 men were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Now, math has never been one of my strong suits. I'm all right at it, but I'm not great at it. But if you ask me in the foyer afterwards, Pastor, what's 5 plus 2? I would tell you 7. All right? But when you tell Jesus, Jesus, what's 5 plus 2? He'll say, oh, that's easy. It's 5,000 plus 12 baskets left over afterwards. Because see, Jesus is not into addition. Jesus is into the spirit of multiplication. God is, God is so awesome. The disciples were panicking. Oh my goodness, I don't know what to do. Like, there's so many people here, we don't have enough money to be able to do it. And even if we did, the closest McDonald's is in Edmonton. So, Lord, what are we going to do here? And Jesus says, you know what, bring me what we have. And five, five loaves and two fish come up, and the Lord multiplies it. The Bible is full of amazing miracles. Team, you can come. Elijah was fed in the middle of a famine twice a day by ravens. God took care of his people in the desert by providing manna from heaven to feed them for years. The Bible tells us that 40 years, people's sandals and clothing didn't wear out. Can you imagine that? Man, my shoes wear out quickly. These guys had them for 40 years. I can see little kids who have these little sandals. And as they grow older, the shoes are growing with them. God is doing supernatural miracle after miracle out in the desert. God took a virgin and she gave birth to the Christ, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. God used two old people who were 90 years old and, and older and they conceived a child who birthed the nation. God took five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000. Don't tell me he can't do it for you. It's raining fish in the desert. Jesus says, you know red sky at night means fair weather tomorrow. Red sky in the morning means foul weather all day. You know how to interpret the weather and the signs in the sky, but you don't know how to interpret the signs of the times. God, help us to interpret the signs of the times. And I close with this. There's a story found in 1 Kings 18. And Elijah's out there and he's praying for rain to come. They're in the middle of a drought. And Ahab, the king, is like, okay, Elijah, you've got to pray. We, we need a rain and we need it now. So Elijah starts praying and he says to his servant, 
He says, go up in the mountain. Tell me if you see anything. So he goes up in the mountain. He doesn't see anything, so he comes back down. So he says to the servant again, he says, go up again and tell me if you see anything. And he goes up again. And then he comes back down and says, I don't see anything. And you know what the difference between a servant and a friend is? See, if that was Elijah's friend, he would have said the third time, go up on the mountain and see if you see anything. And the friend would say, you go up there yourself. But the servant had to do it. So the third time, he went up in the mountain. The fourth time, he went up the mountain. Fifth time, he went in the mountain. Sixth time, he went in the mountain. Saw nothing. Go up again. Look. Because I know God is going to do something. And he goes up. He says, well, I don't see much. I just see a cloud about the size of a man's fist. Put yourself there. Be like, oh, Lord. Go up again. Go up again. Let me see. Let me, tell me when you see the dark clouds coming. Tell me when you see and you hear the thunder. Tell me when you see the storm clouds. But not Elijah. Elijah walks in that place where he gets so excited about a cloud the size of a man's fist. And he says, Ahab, you got to get out of here. Go now. Take your chairs because if you don't leave right now, the rain that is coming is going to be so strong that you're not going to be able to get back. You're, the flood is coming and you're going to get stuck here. And then the Bible says that he takes his robe and he tie, pushes it inside of his belt. And then he runs faster than the horses and beats them back to the palace. <laughs> like imagine that, a supernatural running that he runs so fast and then this storm comes. <laughs> My friends, the Lord does things sometimes in small ways and we just ignore it like, you know what, that's not from God. I'm waiting for the big miracle. But if we don't trust in God in the small things, how can he uh, perform and do the big things? The size of a man's fist and Elijah knew that God was doing something to the part where he took off running because he didn't want to get caught in the storm. That's the eyes that we need to have. That's the faith that we need to have. Lord, stir our hearts. And then when we're in the middle of the desert, it's not a fear thing that comes upon us, but it's a faith thing that comes upon us. Where we say, God, this season that I'm in right now, Lord, is awful. I hate it. But God, I trust that in the middle of the desert, without a rod, without a reel, without a boat, that it's going to rain fish. And Lord, you are going to provide supernaturally. Because if God is for me, who can be against me? Lord, you are awesome. Do you need a supernatural miracle in your life? Cast your net. Sow your seed. Stand in faith. And get ready. For God is about to do something. Lord, open our eyes. Help us to see and discern the signs of the times. God, you are awesome. And we know, Lord, that we are your kids. And how much I love my kids, Lord, you said that I, as a father, give good gifts. And how much more will you give gifts that are good? Lord, you love us so much. And when we go into those desert seasons, they're difficult. They're dry. They're hard. But Lord, would you just strengthen our test? Would you walk in that place, God, so when we do cast our net by faith, that God will bring in a bigger harvest because the harvest is here. The harvest is now. And Lord, we need to pray for the laborers because they are few. God, you are awesome. I was reminded by Fern this morning in prayer. Do you remember what Tommy, Tommy Tenney said when he was here? He said, if one person catches on fire, 
the whole town will come to see him burn. My friends, if one of us catch this, if one of us gets so on fire for God, the rest of us will be spurned on because you're so hot. It's just like, wow, what do you have that I don't have in my life? Lord, we need you. We need a fresh touch. We need a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. For now is the time, in Jesus' name. I just encourage you to step to your feet. And we're going to just go into a time of worship. And I just want to pray for you this morning. Maybe you're in a desert, and you just want to say, God, I trust you. And Lord, I don't need the devil's advocate to come alongside of me, but I need your advocate to be able to speak faith into my life. Well, we'd like to do that this morning, so I'd encourage the prayer team to come. And if you'd like prayer this morning, we'd love to pray with you. In Jesus' name. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.